Blog Talk Radio. Domestic violence um, as a whole. Um, 
right. as a nation, we really don't know how to handle that issue. Uh, when you sure. talk about it on the forefront and just say, you know, laying your hands on a woman or your domestic partner, is it right, is it wrong? Everyone would automatically jump out and say that it's wrong. But when it comes to punishment and actually adjudicating uh, sentences to people for the punishment of that crime, the justice system doesn't know how to handle it on a case-by-case basis. So then the expectation that sports will be able to handle it and make the right decisions as the as it pertains to that issue, it, it just mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. So when you look yeah. at figures like Urban Meyer, who is – Besides Nick Saban, he's literally on the top of the college football realm. It's going to take something of epic proportion to bring him down. And the fact that Urban Meyer didn't actually do it, uh, he covered up for it, um, I don't think there will be enough uprising around the issue for him to be brought down. That's interesting. That's interesting. I personally think, and this is me being a hundred percent cynical guy here, he won't get fired because he wins damn much. <laughs> that's just a long and short of it, brother. Um, I just think, and and there's a, there, even though there is a huge outcry on social media right now, in in or 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 outside of Ohio State circles, um, you know, I, I think that. The fact that he, A, wins too much. He won the national title a few years ago. It has him on the – I can't say the uptick because they're on on top almost every single year. Um, You know, the thing is, is that I don't think Gene Smith, the AD at Ohio State, has enough – and the president, whoever the hell he or she is, um, would have enough courage to fire him. I don't think they have the courage to do it. I don't think they have the cojones to do it. I don't. I just think they're too weak to do it. Let's put it that way. I mean, people. I mean, people. I mean, as shocked as people were when Trussell was fired, when they went for a simple, stupid thing like tattoos and money, um, you would think this would put them over the top. But I, I just don't. For some reason, I think Urban might survive it, but I think he's going to leave anyway. I, I think that he. It's, this is going to end up almost like Florida. In the end, I think he's going to let go and quote unquote spend time with his family, wait a couple of years if that long, and then coach Notre Dame in two years. That's that's why I think it's going to happen. Either way, we're sharing our brain with the fact that we think that he's going to survive, but I think he's going to just quit if 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 if, if, if the heat gets too hot on him, so to speak. Well, I I think when you when you look at issues that come across uh, universities. And as right. it pertains to whether someone should get fired or not, uh, the question in, in NCAA is always a matter of institutional control. <clears throat> has, has the person sure. at the top lost institutional control? And mm-hmm. when you look at the Jim Trestle situation with Terrell Pryor and all those individuals who ended up leaving school or getting suspended, um, they were winning. It was a, it was a dominant yeah, program, right. I believe, that year they sure. went to – one of the New Year's Six uh, games. So winning wasn't the end-all, be-all, but I ultimately believe at that time Trestle had mm-hmm. run his course. It was a little stale. Um, they wanted something different, and they believed that institutional control had been lost at that point because his voice had, had gone 
basically uh, had gone tone deaf to a lot of the players at that time in that institution. But with Urban Meyer, Mm -hmm. he's still relatively new. He's still growing in that success. And because Ohio State has not uh, remained atop of the football universe with Penn State showing a lot of great growth in recent years. Um, Even though they haven't had success on the field, Michigan gets a lot of attention just because of Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Wisconsin is always in the mix, uh, remaining amongst the top of the division. So there are teams that are contending to vie for that attention in the Big Ten. So because I believe that they still want to grab the reins and be atop of not only the Big Ten, but atop of college football, I don't know if there's a person out there who they feel comfortable removing Urban Meyer for and having them take the reins of Ohio State's college football team. Well, fair enough. Uh, I, I, I think that as long as Urban stays held away from the sweater vest, <laughs> unlike <laughs> I trust him, I think he'll be all right. Uh, people just got going out with the sweater vest. But all seriousness, yeah, this is – out of way, this is one two-barred situation. And uh, it's, it's going to get worse as long as he's there before it gets better. So this is going to be very fascinating to watch. So I, 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 you know, whether he quits to, quote, spend time with his family, end quote, will be up for, for, for debate to your point. I mean, it's not like how they have someone second, like, waiting in the rings to step in. But this is serious, and as they say, the cover-up is always worse than the crime itself. So it's weird. That is weird. correct. It never must be seen. Um, so, out from the uh, from the scandalous crap, and the one that's pretty much inconsequential was I as the most sports fan. And I know this hurts because you know I know you're a big baseball fan, and I'm a huge Yankees fan. I love the World Series and everything. I love the playoffs. I love the pennant races. And I, in August and September, I love the whole hump for October thing. The problem is, it seems like no one else gives a damn. I mean, if you look at the the the, the, the ratings of the All Star Game this like couple weekends ago, as well as if you look at ratings for the Major League Baseball playoffs and then the World Series the past two years, you see a, a steady decline in ratings, right? And you know, we, we're not going to go into regular season, you know, because we've seen so long. So you kind of expect the race not to be so high. But for the crown jewel events of baseball, I mean, I remember when I was a kid in the 80s, the All-Star game was like BFD, man. I mean, people would tune in. You know, people were watching American League and National League go at it. And, you know, and, and, and there was even, even, like, even more hype during, like, um, those pennant races and, 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 and uh, you know, the, like the conference, I mean, the conference, but the league championship series and the World Series. I mean, hell, I'm, I remember the first World Series I remember watching was Yankees Dodgers in '81. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just so huge to me. And so to see the decline in it, it makes you wonder what's what's going on. I mean, couple of that with the fact that the Baseball Hall of Fame had their class over like. Over the weekend, and that the over the weekend, I believe, like Vladimir Guerrero, Alan Trammell, all those guys, and Jim Tomei, Chipper Jones, and, and it's like 
outside of maybe Triple Jones' name and maybe Flaterella, it was like no one made a peep. <laughs> and so, so <laughs> when you see big deals when we were kids, it's like meh now. So what do you, what, what do you think is going on? Why why is Major League Baseball seemingly becoming more inconsequential in the sports landscape over the past few years? Well, I would I would focus on two things um, that has really been uh, has led to the demise of the overall interest in baseball. First thing I would say that has hurt the game of baseball was '90s baseball. The reason why mm-hmm. I say '90s baseball hurt the game of baseball overall is because '90s baseball was some of the most ridiculously entertaining and fun and statistical anomaly-based baseball we've seen in the game over the past probably 50 years of the sport. Mm. And a lot of that had to yeah. do with the steroid era. Um, right. We were tainted by the fact that we saw some of the most entertaining baseball, and then when we had to reconcile with the fact that the reason why that form of baseball was so entertaining is because – it was enhanced by performance-enhancing drugs. It pun created yeah. basically an ebb. <laughs> yeah, pun intended. It created an ebb in the mm-hmm. overall interest in the sport. There was this cynicism right. around the sport. You didn't believe that anyone was truly as good as they, uh, as their numbers indicated they were just because there was no way of knowing for certain who did it and who did not. Now, when you look at the 90s numbers, you had players who were hitting 30, 40 home runs, driving in 120 runs, hitting well over 300 batting average, finishing in like 15th and 20th in the MVP race. In today's game, if you have a player who hits over 300, 40 home runs, and drives in over 120 runs, it is without question that person is the hands-down MVP of the league, but the inflation of those numbers drew eyes to the sport, but then when you realize why those numbers were so inflated, people just summarily dismissed everything about the sport altogether. And the second thing that I would say that's contributed to the lack of interest, we're in a digital age where everything gets stale instantaneous. I mean, the amount of information that we take in has to be in either a 15-second Vine bite or a 60-second Instagram video bite or something that is consumed in very small portions that has to generate the highest level of interest. And because the game of baseball, you can watch for three hours and see one run and that's the entire game, you can't have those two things coexist at the same time. You can't have a generation growing up on getting entertainment from a 60-second video and also have a sport thrive that lasts for three hours and may give you five hits in two runs. Like, it just they just can't coexist. So I think it's the combination of the overinflation of entertainment that 90s baseball brought mixed with the fact that our entertainment has to be consumed in bite sizes and has to give us the maximum entertainment in that small period of time. You know what? I'm glad you mentioned the 90s because I want to get into later the Baseball Hall of Fame and basically the same 
with like you know seeing those those runs. It was it's like playing video games. You know, it was like it was playing like those, <laughs> those, those old ass baseball games on the Super Nintendo where you could be wherever the hell and just score fifteen runs and in five innings. <laughs> yep. You have a certain difficulty uh, setting, like adjust to what you want. Um, while people may argue that the '90s brought in more of the casual fan, believe it or not, even though it was still like considered up there with football, with with the NFL in particular in the mid '90s. Um, you know, the thing is that a lot of and we and people as soon as we saw that big ass jaw of 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 whoever that was in Mark McGuire's locker. People started going, Oh <laughs> no. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. this shit ain't real what we're looking at. You know what I mean? And then looking at dudes who were like skinny in the mid to late twenties, a la Barry a la, I'm sorry, Samuel Sosa and Barry Bonds, especially if you look at Samuel Sosa, dude was like Popeye. Like a black Dominican Popeye in his mid thirties, <laughs> only a few years from coming from leaving from being traded. I think he was traded from 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 the from, like from the Rangers organization to 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 Chicago somehow, or maybe acquired Correct. somehow. I forgot the whole story. But mainly, see this dude also gets jacked beyond belief and just start hitting a zillion home runs. I think he hit like sixty. He's like the first guy. Did 60 home runs in consecutive seasons, and one of those seasons was when he lost out to Mark McGuire in the home run chase. Um, that is correct. Look, it was as as exciting as that was. We all, I mean, fans who know better, let's put it that way, especially after seeing that infamous shot of that big jar of whatever enhanced vitamin that was, and I used to wear vitamin loosely in Mark McGuire's locker at that time at, at Bush Stadium. Um, People just started to become cynical, and rightfully so. But the, what really irked me and fans at the time was that the owners, everyone from the ownership to the media, turned a blind eye to it. And yeah, this, and, and then, you know, I want to, you know, I want to touch on this when we get to the Hall of Fame discussion because the players, even though they were known or suspected juicers, they have no business being out on the outside looking in. I could, I'll get to get one momentary like uh, when we talked about the uh, the MLB Hall of Fame class. But neither, like, like, uh, but, but, uh, but, but, uh, but uh, basically, see, I can't even talk. I'm just trying to think ahead here. But it's got you choked when up. When it comes I to, I I'm just choked. Up. I'm just choked up with like anger at the damn uh, <laughs> journalists who involved these guys. But. The fact of the matter is, with the like to your point in the 21st century, with this is a this is the age of Facebook, Instagram, um, you know what, like what Snapchat and all that, where you get like vines and everything else, you know, you you can't hold the average 20 something year old's attention the way you could I don't know 30 years ago, back when it was a big thing to go to the park, sit for three hours, watch a whole lot of nothing but still enjoy the fact that you saw a real baseball game. Because base, a real, quote, quote, real baseball game is really like a 3-2, to 4-5, to five, no more than 7-6 to six type score. You know, it's, it's all about strategy. It's all about all the intricate stuff that takes place during at-bats, between innings, the shifts, things that a, strategy, 
a, a strategic-minded fan would appreciate. It just all is lost on the average Gen Nexer, I guess. Like because to your point, everyone likes this stuff instantaneously. Everyone wants this stuff to be flashy, which is a huge reach, reach of why the NFL has lapped Major League Baseball like three, four times on the track because even though it's a two to two and a half to three hours game, you know, it's a lot of action. It's a lot of hitting. It's a lot of everything. Same with the NBA. You know, the NBA is laughing it because it's a lot of action. You know, it's like a typically two-and-a-half-hour game because it's all right. action. There's not a lot of action in baseball. And you got to feel, feel for um, baseball commissioner, uh, I forgot his last name, but, you know, basically he's Rob trying Manfred. everything. Not Manfred, exactly. He's trying everything. He's tried. He's thinking about, like, having a pitch clock similar to a shot clock. He's, he was thinking about, like, basically stuff like, you know, when, when you're intentionally walking someone, just throw four balls wherever to get his ass on base. Think of, like, uh, what, what else I seen? Like, just have, like, three, literally three to four or five cracks at it. Like, if you, like, at, like uh, at the end of the be a third foul tip, you know, because foul tips obviously count, obviously count the strikes unless you don't strike two. Doing sure. away with that whole rule saying if you strike, if you fall, foul a ball or strike, what would be strike three, you're still out. I mean, he's thinking about all these things to speed the game along without realizing it's no longer baseball in that sense. It's just no longer the sport in its truest form. And Correct. you got to wonder if, 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 if he's banging his head against the wall trying to think of ways to speed up the game and bring more fans in when I think he's fighting an uphill battle. It really is an uphill battle because all those things about pitch clocks and not allowing players to step out of the batter's box and all those little those little quirks of the game that he's he's trying to eliminate, that's not ultimately what the issue is. The issue is the fact that the game of baseball has fundamentally changed as a result of 90s baseball. What you have to understand is because of the young players and, and, and children who watched 90s baseball, what they believed was the most significant thing in the game of baseball to do was to hit the home run. So now you have the players who are coming up in this era who only care about launch angle exit velocity, and hitting home runs. They don't care if they strike out 200 times in a season. That That is mm-hmm. inconsequential. When, when, when I was first watching the game of baseball, if you struck out 200 times in a season, like, that was embarrassing. Like, you were getting demoted right. or, or you were getting sit down to, like, double A ball if you, if you struck out 200 times. But because the home run gained so much significance because you had Barry Bonds hitting – 70 plus and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa hitting 60 plus the new era of baseball player was home run centric. And as a a reaction to that, the pitchers who came up in the game are just trying to throw as hard as they possibly can to strike out the person who's swinging as hard as they possibly can. So the counterbalance of someone swinging as hard as they can to hit a home run and someone throwing as hard as they can to strike out, you're getting an elevated number of strikeouts, but you're also getting an elevated number of home runs. So the art of actually hitting, like Tony Gwynn player, someone who was going to hit 330, 
get about 200-plus hits in a season, not hit a ton of home runs, but was actually playing the game of baseball, you've eliminated that player from the game. Jose Altuve is about the closest person you have to that in the modern day of baseball who's going to hit 320 and hit for hit, get over 200 hits in a season. But that's what's happened. That's the problem with the game of baseball. It's either a strikeout or a home run that you're going to watch. And because the percentages of just hitting a baseball – are so low, you're just getting a ton of strikeouts. So that's why you end up with a lot of 2-1 games off of three home runs, and you end up looking at 20-some-odd strikeouts overall. That's something that you can't fix with a clock. You can't fix with putting someone in a batter's box. You can't fix with any of the little quirks that Manfred is trying to come up with. The game has fundamentally changed because of what 90s baseball did to the youth and to the viewer of that time. And which means that's pretty much the end of a, of a, of an era of a time where teams could get by by manufacturing runs. That's a lost art. You know what I mean? Like, like playing Absolutely. the percentages. That's, I mean, that's what teams like, uh, like the twins teams of Gordon Hire's days did. Like the A's. Yeah. You know, they, that's they, how uh, Kansas that, City uh, won. Exactly, exactly. They manufactured runs. Plus, had a stud of a bullpen, but they they manufactured runs, and you know, Houston to an extent did that too last year. They they manufactured they runs. They didn't rely on the long ball. They didn't get. I mean, he, Exhibit A in in, in uh, we'll close the segment with this and move on to the Baseball Hall of Fame. On this note, it's like basically you look at cats like uh, 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 Bryce Harper. The dude that's so consumed with hitting the long ball, he's hitting – I forgot how many home runs he has off the top of my head, but he's batting – he's not even batting 250. And to the point no. where he was subject to a lot of trade rumors. And, you know, he didn't get traded, luckily for him. But, I mean, this is going to show you how, how – to, to your point, baseball has totally changed. I mean, he went from an all-around hitter to, do, to like, the second coming of uh, – of, of Adam Dunn, basically, <laughs> you know, a guy who hit home runs but struck out a whole hell of a lot. So, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. It's, it's just really crazy. But uh, yeah, it's, well, we just, it's we, sad we, to we, see as an evolution of the game. But hopefully, the ebb will correct itself, and we'll have a flow where players realize that making contact, getting on base, stealing bases, and playing the game the way it was played in the early '80s, and and right. and part of the 90s, it, it'll come back around. So, time will tell. And speaking of Bryce Harper getting tra- almost getting traded, let's talk about the trade the trade moves made at the deadline. Lots of moves, a whole lot of moves. First of all, the Yankees and the Red Sox are trying to one-up each other in the trade. Like, uh, Yankees acquired two left-handed pitchers, Jay Hatt and Zach Britton. I thought Jay Hatt was a steal. To help you know, help our starting rotation because Lord knows knows we need it. Well, I mean, hell, we only six and six against your Orioles for Christ's sake, and we lost seven <laughs> and eight against the damn Tampa Rays. Tampa Bay Rays. The hell's up with that? And but uh, anyway, don't get me started. Uh, the Rams have also <laughs> added a pitcher uh, as you know as well to go with the studs they have. I don't even know Chris is a Salaya Sale is going is going to be the yep. list. Purcell going to dis- dis- disable us soon. Um, but really, you've got other trades 
and one that really came by surprise, well, well, besides, you know, everyone knew and their mama knew that Manny Machado would be moved, he's moved to the Dodgers, uh, of course. But when the Pirates, of all teams, turned into buyers and acquired Chris yes. Archer from the Tampa Bay Rays, I did not, I was like, whoa. You yes. know, if you look at the standings in the in the NL Central, the Pirates are in it. They are yes. in it right now. They, I mean, they're they've been surprising. I mean, I thought they were going to be second out of the Wazoo since they had a fire sale in the off season, but they are balling, and they're only yes. going to get better in 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 like in the next few years. But they, wow! I mean, to see the Pirates get Archer and be buyers, period. It's just, it's just, you just have to sit back and go, wow. I mean, the NL Central is going to be very interesting down the stretch. But besides that trade that surprised me, what other trades or non-trades stood out to you at the trade deadline? Well, as far as trades that stood out to me, I, I think you really nailed it when you talked about the Yankees. I think them getting Zach Brenton from the Orioles to – add another arm to what's already a ridiculous bullpen that the Yankees have with Robertson and Batantis and Chapman. And I mean, you're throwing, Mm -hmm. you're throwing Britain in there. Who's who rightfully is a closer in and of himself. Um, And then they added Lance Lynn from the twins, uh, a player when he was with the Cardinals was wildly successful before he got injured and had, pretty good success in the first half of the year with the Twins. That's a huge addition. They they actually saw that today because Sonny Gray left the left the Yankees game today against the Orioles. He uh, I, can't I believe he left in that. the third. <laughs> he left in the third he inning after giving up seven that. runs. And yeah. Lance Lynn came in, I gave him, I think he gave him like five scoreless innings. Like being able to be that long middle reliever or a, a pop-up starter will be great. And then the steal, Jay Happ, like being able to add a legit two borderline one into your lineup I, I, and not allowing the Red Sox to get them, more importantly, is a huge plus right. for the Yankees. I think the Dodgers made some great moves. You mentioned Machado, but then also adding Brian Dozier um, as a second baseman. Second base has been a position that, uh, it's kind of hurt the Dodgers this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Chase Utley getting long in the tooth, announcing his retirement uh, when the season concludes. And they've uh, been playing Logan Forsythe, um, and he's been batting in like the eighth hole and not doing particularly well. But when you can add Brian Dozier, who the last two seasons led second baseman in home runs, that is a huge boost to an offense that has at times uh, found itself struggling when it comes to producing and manufacturing runs. And then the fact that defensively with Machado and Dozier uh, being in uh, your middle infield, you're not losing anything on that end as well. Uh, But one thing that did surprise me as far as a lack of movement is um, the Colorado Rockies kind of surprised me. Um, The fact that they're only – uh, a half game out of first place in the NL West, I really thought they would do something to help uh, their pitching rotation. They they spent a lot of money on their bullpen this year on Wade Davis, and yes, he has uh, 30, I believe 31 saves. I could be wrong, but it's, I mm-hmm. believe he has 30 at least saves. 
Um, but they've been getting hammered in their rotation. Uh, John Gray actually got sent down. Uh, he was demoted to AAA at one point this season. I believe he got called back up. Um, they've been kind of just relying on middle relievers uh, in their rotation to at least get them five innings so they can get into the into the bullpen and see if they can uh, get some support there. But the fact that they were so close and they have so much offensively uh, that they can do, and in a one-game matchup, that team can can mash with the best of them in baseball. I was kind of surprised there wasn't any movement there. Um, but as far as uh, another move that I thought was excellent, uh, I looked at the Cubs. When you can get Cole Hamels, you yeah. absolutely have to take advantage of it, especially with you, Darvish, being injured and looking like a complete waste of money um, at this juncture yeah. in the season. But adding Watch. a left-handed arm like Cole Hamels is, is something that will really help them, and they've really struggled with their acquisitions in the starting rotation with Tyler Chapman and you, Darvish, not panning out as well. So I think there was a lot of activity, and I think there were a lot of smart moves made by the usual suspects to get themselves right back in position to contend uh, going down this final stretch of the second half of the season. You know what? Regardless of what my Yankees and Red Sox did in the, in the American League, they're still both looking up at Houston. Even though Houston does have the, best, the better record than those two, I think Houston's still better than them because Houston can do two things and do both those things very, very well. They can both hit and pitch. That's, you can't yeah. beat that. And yeah. they're hitting their stride, and they're proving that and the Houston's proven to be the Red Sox kryptonite. they got enough pitching to cool off those Yankees' bats because those who can't stop, our pitchers can't stop any other bats right now. So both of those squads are still, looking up, uh, are still looking up at Houston. I know we have like a month and a half to go left in the season, I guess, or two months. But I, I still think Houston are the big dogs in the American League until otherwise proven, and which is why I picked them to repeat in, in the offseason. And uh, that's not changing anytime soon. But one last thing about Bryce Harper. I know he didn't go anywhere. Both sides said the right things to their credit, blah, 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 blah. But is Bryce, will Bryce Harper be back in the national forum next season? I think he's as good as gone. I don't – I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion that he's gone. I honestly believe the Nationals do want to keep him. But I also believe that if they, in fact, did kick the tires on some deals to see – what kind of interest was out there for him? I believe they had to do their due diligence and see if there was sure. someone willing to just just knock their socks off with a deal that they just absolutely could not refuse. When you look mm-hmm. at Bryce Harper's numbers overall, his MVP season was really the outlier of his numbers mm-hmm. overall. Um, there's this expectation that because he's young and because we've seen uh, streaks of of excellent baseball from him, that he will become this consistently great baseball player. And as someone who's from the D.C. area, it would be nice if he does materialize into that player and he stays in the nation's capital to do it. And, right. that's, and, and because 
there's so much uncertainty around that. I believe that's why the Nationals had to do what they had to do. But I do believe at the end of the day, he'll 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 see what the landscape has to offer him. And I think the Nationals will do their absolute best to throw him every dollar they can afford to give him because they firmly believe that the trifecta of Scherzer, Strasburg, and Harper is the core that they need to not only win a championship but be relevant. And in D.C., being relevant is way more important than winning. There are a number of teams <laughs> that are going to th- – yes, it, it, it's sad, but it's true. There are a number of teams <laughs> that are going to throw a ton of money Bryce Harper's way, but I I, I don't know enough about him um, to make the determination of whether he's concerned with jumping on to a contender because there was some talk about him being interested in the Phillies and him being interested in the Braves. But there was also some talk about him going to San Francisco because he he's from the West Coast. And that's a team that really has underperformed and underachieved in the last year and a half. And I don't see that being a better situation for him baseball-wise. But anyone who's mm-hmm. a Scott Boris client is going to get that money. So you have to look at the teams who have the money to give him as the best contenders to land him. And because the Nationals have it to give and are willing to give it, listening to Mike Rizzo, I think the Nationals are a legitimate candidate to land Bryce Harper again. Mm, That's interesting. That's interesting. So one last word about that before we move into – the Hall of Fame, because this is a very fascinating conversation around it, but Bryce Harper and the Nationals. What the hell is wrong with the Nationals this year? I think there is a tremendous amount of uh, credit that should go to leaders who provide consistent and strong guidance for any team or organization. When you look at the most successful teams, you'll see like a Greg Popovich or a Bill Belichick or uh, back in his better days, uh, Phil Jackson, or like you'll see that consistency in, in, in the leadership position. The Nationals have had, I believe, four managers in the last seven years, if I'm not mistaken. They've had... Yeah, uh, Martinez, they've had Matt Williams, they've had Dusty Baker, they've had Frank Robinson. You cannot have consistent performance in any team or organization when there is no consistency at the top. And the fact that they haven't had that and, and it's been so sporadic, I don't believe you can expect a team to do the things that the, – that, people expect the Nationals to do, and that is make it to the NLCS, uh, make it to a World Series, contend for a championship when every other year you are swapping out a manager and restructuring how the team is going to play the game of baseball. Another thing that has been an issue for them is injuries. They have some critical pieces that were old and just are getting injured. Jason Worth is finally gone from them, but Ryan Zimmerman has consistently been in, been an issue as far as uh, his ability to stay healthy, and when you have to shift your lineup and shift 
key parts like your first baseman or your right fielder. And Strasburg, mm-hmm. his nickname might as well be DL because that's where he resides. When you have key <laughs> pieces of your baseball team consistently hurt and consistently not in the fold, it's hard to get consistency. So when you have inconsistent leadership, inconsistent lineups, inconsistent pitching rotations, the expectation can't be championships. So I think right. if they could get some consistency, they would see the results that I think a lot of people expect from them. Good point, because you have teams like Atlanta and Philadelphia, for Christ's sake. You called this in all season. To be on watch on the lookout for the Phillies, um, yeah, leading their division. That's just just it's almost like bizarre world right now. It's like going like the way back machine, a time machine. And of course the Mets, as usual, sucking up the spot from damn near last place. So uh, the more things change, the more things change saying as far as the Mets go. But don't drill on them right now. We'll go on to the baseball hall of fame. I couldn't I, I couldn't I couldn't help myself. Every time I every time every shot I can I have to take shots at the Mets, I eat my you gotta take, you gotta take them, right? I got to take that shot. I got to take that <laughs> shot. Thank you, man. But anyway, uh, so the, the Baseball Hall of Fame, very – I mean, you talk about stars for the class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, as you talked about in, like it a little bit. Chipper Jones, Vladimir Guerrero, Jim Tomey, Trevor Hoffman, and if you're old school like me, Jack Morris and Alan Trammell. Awesome class. Awesome class. In the, doing that thing in the Hall of Fame. But again, problem was nobody else cared. <laughs> if you judge the yeah, team, yeah. if you judge gave the overall interest. It's just it's just sad because you, all these guys were were studs. I mean, we don't have to go into Chipper Jones. We all know what he did in, in Atlanta. Vlog well is swinging that ball to bounce up from the dirt and knocking the tournament and the expectation <laughs> to home run. Jim Tomey with his Paul Bunyan looking ass and heads up to the plate with those short sleeves and Cleveland just belling things out, balls at the ballpark as a designated hitter. That's impressive. Trevor Hoffman being the step closer for the Houston Nationals all those years. And then finally, again, got the old school, Jack Morris and like leading the twins in the nineteen ninety one World Series title over the Braves. By over the Braves, yeah. Ten innings of shutout ball out out what what did he did the outdoor was the Tom Glavin or was it uh, uh, John Smoltz in Game Seven? It was Smoltz. It was Smoltz first Morris. Yeah. Yep. It was a one and nothing game. It was probably the most exciting one and nothing baseball game I've ever seen in my life. Ten innings. Both of those dudes stay in the game for ten innings. Yep. <laughs> it was. Yep. It was an absolute duel. You couldn't beat that. You couldn't yeah. beat that. I don't care if the score was one of them. Again, that was the most excited one that the game I've seen in my life. And, of course, Alan Trammell was a stud for the Tigers. So he had all these guys, all these guys who were once household names, and no one gave a damn. I mean, it's uh, – I don't know, but I don't know the thing. I mean, let me just ask you this. I'm just going to spitball here now. And feel free to laugh. Feel free to ridicule it. Do what you like with it. Are we going to come – is there going to be a time in this nation when Major League Baseball is already passed by the – it was already passed by the NFL and the NBA a long time ago. Is it going to be a time in this country 
in this time where Major League Baseball would not only be led by hockey, but soccer? Do we, is there, is there, is, are we headed for that direction, towards that direction? Because, I mean, why would anyone, why would anyone not care about the Hall of Fame induction when you have all those stuff going in? That should have been a big deal. That should have been story after story written. That should be coverage after coverage, fan after fan talking on, on social media, and no one cared. Are we headed to that point with baseball? See, that's a tricky question because I think it's not necessarily the sport. I think as a, as a nation, we have less of a reverence for history. Um, we Ooh. don't spend as much time thinking about what was or how great things were. That seems to be a, a very uh, dated uh, thing. <clears throat> for people to spend time doing. I feel like that is an activity of yesteryear. You'll see more of that mm-hmm. with our parents and older generations where they kind of opine about how things used to be. And I feel like this generation just doesn't care about history. Um, so I don't think it'll wow. necessarily have an impact on the sport overall. I think People who are good at the game of baseball or enjoy the game of baseball, I think they'll play it and play at a high level, and I think there'll be an interest for it. But I think in general, Hall of Fames and jersey retirements and things in the rafters, and that just is a a dustier thing uh, in in our society that a lot of people just don't have the same reverence for that they may have at one time. So even though I think interest for soccer will will increase, and I I still don't I, I still don't believe that hockey will make that much of a leap, and baseball will sure. be a dip. But I I think it has less to do with the sport and more to do with people just don't care about the past that much and celebrating yesteryear. Um, and I think that's the thing that, that we're seeing um, more than the sport. And because baseball does it more than other sports, celebrating the past, celebrating what used to be, celebrating how things were, then the sport kind of gets wrapped up in it as being something that is fading but I think it just has more to do with how we treat and 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 uh, care for and pay attention to history and, and the reverence for greatness and things that are past. Right. I hear you. Well, I mean, then there's one would make the argument of, okay, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, they're going to bring in this aesthetic t- uh, 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 class, and I guarantee you a lot of people are going to care. So you, it's, it's kind of – I see what you're saying. I, I just think that maybe because people, a lot of people can't wait for football to come back, I think that has a lot to do with it. But, I mean, who would want to see Ray Lewis, Brian Dawkins, and uh, Brian Erlacher go in the hall at the same time and one of Terrell Owens would, would actually not be petty and show up as well with Randy Moss? That, that's must-see TV. And I, I would argue that Chipper Jones and Vlad Guerrero just by themselves. Well, most I mean, well, most of Chipper Jones, I mean, he we, we, he's about the same age as me. <laughs> I mean, we have a lot of 
30 to 40 year olds who remember Chipper Jones in his prime, as well as Trouble right. Walkman and and whatnot. I just I, I just don't know. I'm just I'm just I'm just, I just I, I just don't know. But I'll close the baseball Hall of Fame segment with this. I mean, to me, and I mentioned this references earlier. I'll do it now. I'm going to it now. It's sad to me to see, while I'm glad that Trammell and Jack Morris got it, they were, especially Jack Morris's long of in my opinion. Um, it's sad to me to see that Barry Bonds, guys like Barry Bonds uh, um, and, 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 and uh, Roger Clemens did not get much of a sniff on the balance this year. And remember when I went back earlier and told, and you were, like, we were like talking about the 90s, and how that ruined baseball, and I tend to really agree with that. During that time, when everyone and mama knew that they were juicing, a lot of the players were juicing, um, but everyone else turned the blind eye to it, including the sports writers, the same sports writers who are now but on these guys getting the Hall of Fame, all of a sudden trying to be sanctimonious and crap. That's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's total bullshit. I mean, because these same, again, these same guys click them heels jumped their asses in the air, put their heels when they saw 70 home runs, 66. You know, they, 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 they you know, no one stopped talking about that, the, the, the explosion of offensive baseball. And these are the same cats who had the, oh, they know the audacity to get on the damn high horses and say, no, 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 no. He wasn't clean. No, no, didn't do the right way. No, no, no. I mean, come on. I mean, PDs may help some somehow. Obviously, they help because why do people take them? They doesn't help. But to me, it doesn't help do two things. It doesn't help people throw strikes and get people out, and it doesn't help players put the bat on the ball, which is arguably the hardest thing to do in sports. Very bonded at a high level before and after the alleged steroid use. Uh, Mark McGuire did it before and after the, the steroid use. Time to let the – and Marty Clemens could get guys out since he was like, like an infant, it seems like. So let these guys in. Do the right thing. I mean, you can't tell the story of baseball about mentioning those three in their primes. So let's just let's, – I just wish the sports writers stop being so damn hypocritical and just let the guys in because, again – Barry Bonds said, how many MVPs before he started allegedly roaring, like four or five? How many Cy Youngs did Roger Clemens win before he allegedly started roaring? I mean, how, like how many uh, uh, batting titles did uh, Mark McGuire win in terms of home runs? I mean, the Bash Brothers and everything. I mean, come on. I mean, and, 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 and like McGuire was a stick figure in, 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 uh, in, in, in uh, Oakland. <laughs> in in, in Oakland, his early years. Oakland days. Yeah. 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 I mean – it's, it's, it's time to start. I mean, I, great. I know that McGuire is not near as talented as Bond or even Alex Rodriguez was, but let these guys in. It's, it's, it's time. And when Alex Rodriguez gets on the ballot, you really can't tell the story of baseball about him, especially when he was in his early days in Seattle. You just can't tell the, the story of baseball without having him in. So even though I'm not a fan of A-Rod, but I think A-Rod more than belongs in the Hall of Fame, I think that Big Poppy belongs in the Hall of Fame. So – just, just, I just wish the writers would stop being sanctimonious and petty and, and hypocritical and just let these guys in because they're stars, they're superstars. 
Well, I think you really you hit the the nail on the head when you said you can't tell the story of baseball without these guys, and right. that's just the thing. They're trying to tell mm-hmm. the story of baseball without these guys, so it's incomplete. Um, you can't talk about how exciting and and the home runs and the strikeouts, and you can't talk about the greatness of the game of baseball and sell it to the masses when you're leaving out a whole era of the game of baseball. And that's why right. they're trying to they're trying to sweep this era under the rug as if it didn't exist and sell you on a product that is basically a a poor multiplicity Michael Keaton version of what the game used to be without explaining how we got to this point. Like how do we have players hitting 40, 45 home runs, but hitting like 250 and striking out 212 times a year? Well, it's because they grew up on Sammy Sosa with his cork bat running around in the outfield with an American flag hitting (laughs) 60 some odd home runs. I mean, you, you have to tell the totality of the story, and once Major League Baseball realizes that they have to come to grips with what they were, what they allowed to happen, and what they profited Mm -hmm. off of, people won't be interested in hearing the game of baseball as a whole and take interest in everything that it has because in all of that, there were a lot of great players. I mean, steroids or no steroids, there were a lot of great players Baseball, all-time great baseball players, both pitchers and hitters during that era. And if you ignore them all, you cannot fully tell the story of baseball to really generate the interest and capture what the sport was all about. And that's what they're doing, and that's why they're failing. Well said. And I would, I, I, I would say this, too. And, again, shoot this down, do whatever the hell you want with this. Since the, what makes the Pro Football Hall of Fame so special is that they make it, they place it at the beginning of the preseason. Because that officially marks football season, in my opinion. Why don't I agree. take a page out of that and move the Hall of Fame induction more into the spring? Move it to like late March. Because that would, in, in essence, essentially kick off. I mean, you know, no, I know that like, like you have the spring leagues. And like 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 in the captains leagues and, and whatnot in Florida and in uh, Arizona, but why not move the the baseball Hall of Fame ceremony to the beginning of baseball season? Why don't you move? Why not move it to the middle of March? Because to me, just like the Pro Football Hall of Fame signifies this on the start of the NFL season, like the NFL calendar year, so to speak. Why don't baseball do the same? Because if you have, like, again, the likes of Chipper Jones, I mean, you're never going to get a class like this in a long time. Chipper Jones, Vlad Guerrero, Jim Tomei, Trevor Hoffman, Jack Morris, Alan Trammell, DeFault, that, DeFault, I mean, the first four names I mentioned are studs. So could you imagine that, that being the kickoff of Major League Baseball? Chipper Jones, Vlad Guerrero, Jim Tomei, Trevor Hoffman. I think that I totally work. agree. Yeah, move it to the middle of the season. Move it to the spring to kick off Major League Baseball season. I totally agree, but there's just one thing, 
that I think Uh-oh. will prohibit that from happening. Major League Baseball does not want to compete. And by putting it in the middle of the summer, they don't compete with anyone. They don't compete with any of the major sports. If you put that Hall of Fame induction ceremony in March or in April, you have to compete with NBA playoff basketball, and they do not want to do that. So by putting it in the middle of the summer, there isn't any other major sport going on. All the attention, presumably, would be on them. And they they don't have to compete. And that's the thing that Major League Baseball does not want to do. They do not want to compete. Because I agree. I think rolling it up into opening weekend or I, another thought, if it wasn't in uh, upstate New York area, I would have it sometime around the beginning of the playoffs or, during the world, or at the beginning of the World Series. Something to mm. like create like a pageantry around it. I agree. I think having it in the middle of the season, it just kind of gets muddled up in, in the, in the malaise of uh, the dog days of summer of baseball. And it just kind of gets washed over. But I think right. you have to make it like football has done with the hall of fame game. It starts preseason football's back. You put a stamp on it. Like that's why people know the Daytona 500. You know that is the beginning of the yes. NASCAR season. It's the yes. big event. It yes. it starts. Like I don't know anything about NASCAR, but I know the Daytona 500 <laughs> starts the NASCAR season. Like that is right. what baseball needs to do, and it also. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take you somewhere kind of off a tangent, but that's the issue with Major League Baseball is they don't know how to market their own sport. Because when you listen to Rob mm-hmm. Manford complain about Mike Trout not being willing to put himself out there enough to advertise himself or market himself so that Major League Baseball can get enough attention. That drives me crazy because that man is doing everything he can to be arguably one of the greatest baseball players to ever put on cleats. But you're putting the responsibility on him to not only be the great, one of the greatest baseball players of all time, but to also generate revenue for you so that you can have the most popular sport in the country. What you need to do is get some of those people who are sitting up in that office in New York and figure out ways to take players like Mike Trout, like Aaron Judge, like Clayton Kershaw, Mm -hmm. like Jose Altuve. I mean, you have talent, but you have to figure out a way to do it. Do not put it on a player or a set of players to take it upon themselves to not only be great at their game, but to also find a way to make you money by driving up popularity and driving revenue. Well said, well said, because it drives me crazy here. Stuff going on in the baseball office is like, dude, are you Buck Selig or are you trying to be a commissioner? I mean, I mean, you got you got to think outside the box. As much as we clown Roger the Devil in the NFL, at least he thinks outside the box sometimes. You know, and Adam Silver's really blowing everybody else away with thinking outside the box. But we'll get you out here on this, brother. Uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. We mentioned it several times in the podcast, so we might as well talk about it right quick. Uh, Ray Lewis, Brian Dawkins, Randy Moss. Between those three, who gives the longest speech? My man's on Ray Lewis, and he's going to give a probably 30 minute speech. <laughs> when he preaches there. from the pulpit <laughs> and, and does this dance, this corny ass dance with a dude coming out that Ravens tunnel. Uh, at, at every home game, 
I think he'll edge out Brian Dawkins by five minutes. There is there 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 is no doubt in my mind that Ray Lewis is going to is going to win that competition. If if he doesn't <laughs> show up in a pinstripe suit with a Uh-oh. big handkerchief that he's dabbing on his forehead <laughs> while he is quoting something borderline scripture, I would be wildly surprised. Ray Lewis oh, is going boy. to give a performance of epic proportion when he gets up there to accept his yellow jacket. And um but Brian Dawkins will definitely be a close second. <laughs> yeah. Because he's a preacher too. Brian I think Brian Dawkins is an ordained pastor, if I'm not mistaken. Um Okay. You know, that's, I never that's heard not surprising. He I never heard him cuss a day like when, I, I watched a lot. I'm not an Eagles fan, but I watched a lot of Eagles games growing up on the East Coast, and being in college on the East Coast. Um, and all those sound bites, all those NFL films, we know when players have at least a few bleeps here and there. He never, he, I never heard him cuss the days, I, the, the Sundays I've seen him play. I never, or I've seen those films, I never heard him cuss. And he says, dog on it, when most of us says, God damn it. You know what I mean? He he, he doesn't <laughs> cuss. At least doesn't take the Lord's name in vain. That's pretty damn impressive. So which is why it I is. think he's going to be he's he and Ray Lewis are probably going to be competing on this on stage right before eyes. You know, who's going to give the most <laughs> dynamic, inspirational speech? Don't be surprised if both those jokers show up in big stripe suits and big ass handkerchiefs <laughs> and mention a few ha. You know, and hitting the and all that. You know, don't don't be surprised those two cats don't do that. But it should be pretty fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to Randy Moss giving his speech because, I mean, he had a he had quite a ride. I mean, I wonder yes. if he's going to give a like a shout out to the straight no straight cash on me. I, I wonder if he's going to bless us with that line before he gives the speech. That would be a riot. But uh, <laughs> it, but speaking of Randy Moss, it's it's sad that T.O. won't be there because I think those two guys are the best wide receivers of our generation. I know this year, it Agreed. pretty much goes like this for me. Jerry Rice, and it's a toss-up between Randy Moss and Terrell Owens as the second best wide receiver, second or third best wide receiver of all time. That, I mean, and granted, I get T.O.'s pissed that he had to wait three times. I personally think the Bulls were petty as hell. This made it very personal for no reason, for no good reason whatsoever. But you got to show up. Because he's going to look back in a few years, and in the way to be when, when, like, with, like when he's old and, and gray, I give it four or five years. He's going to look back on it and say, damn. Yeah, I could have, that, that should have been my moment to shine. That should have been my moment to talk about my grandmother. That should have been my moment to talk about my days at UT Chattanooga. As being a third round draft pick, being mentored by the great Jerry Rice, you know, and and more importantly, I'm mad that I get to miss the savagery that's going to come out of his mouth. You know, he's going to be savage. You know, he's going to be <laughs> savage and petty as hell. I was hoping and praying that he'd be on that stage in Canton to like like uh, like Saturday afternoon and just tear Donovan McNabb to shreds. Talk about how big of a fat ass. I mean, like, even though he did like Andy Reid, I shouldn't say that, but just talk junk about Steve Uchi, um, talk junk about Chris Carter. Brian will stage with him. 
talk junk about him and talk junk about the. <laughs> I, I just want him to go full savage. I, I want him to go full savage. I want that to be on ESPN so bad. You know the internet will be blowing up. And for a guy who crazy, <laughs> you know that he's going to get that attention. You know he's going to be savage. You know he's going to yeah. be savage. But we won't get to hear that because it will be a YouTube channel. And he's a grown man. He can do whatever the hell he wants. But we won't get to see the savage on display. That's 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 one thing that I'm sad about. Like for him not showing up. Like forget the fact that he can tell the world about his grandmother and being raised by his grandmother, being and and, and talk about the people who believed in him from day one as a guy coming out of UT Chattanooga and again being mentored by the great Jerry Rice. But I just I just want to see the savage man. You know he's going to be savage. I mean, you can you imagine how savage he's going to be at UT Chattanooga with now a lot of cameras around? He's going to let that shit fly. You know he is. You know he's going to, he's going to question Jeff Garcia's sexuality again. He's going to talk about uh, Tony <laughs> Romo. He, like, you know, he, he did like Tony Romo. I can't say that. But the husband that now, especially, you know he's going to come out the dog. You know he's going to come out. See, the thing is, when I when I looked at the T.O. situation, I thought to myself, okay, what does he want to get out of this? And right. when I, I read an article recently, I can't remember if it was from uh, SI Sports or from Yahoo Sports, but the main reason or one of the reasons that continued to come up throughout the interview that uh, he conducted was that he didn't appreciate the way the writers had treated him throughout the course of his career. So he didn't want to take this special moment um, of this recognition for his career and all of his accomplishments and share it with those writers. Now, if that's the case and you don't want to share it with them and you want to share it with the people who supported you the most, I totally get that. Take that, share it with the people who you felt held you down from day one, share it with your community, and go on about your business. But if what you wanted to have accomplished was to show them that I did it in spite of all of you, in spite of everything you said about me, in spite the fact that I went to this small college, in spite the fact that I wasn't a high draft pick, in spite the fact that they called me a coach killer or a quarterback killer, and I still – finish my career as one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. This would be the perfect opportunity to tell each and every one yes. of those people to their face and they have to sit yes. there and eat it. So yes. to me, yes. I agree with you in the sense that he will look back and regret not going, not because he wasn't physically at the hall or he didn't go in with the rest of the guys or anything like this, Looking at T.O.'s career, he never missed an opportunity to let you know exactly what it was and how he felt and how he saw it. And I feel like the conclusion of his career is him letting biggest opportunity get away. So that's why I'm a little disappointed because this was the opportunity for him to one last double middle finger to everyone, <laughs> and he took another route altogether and and really didn't get the opportunity to do that. And guess what? 
the writers are still talking about you. They're still saying mm-hmm. you're selfish. They're still saying you're not a yep. you're not a we guy. You're a me guy. So the fact that after all this, they're still getting in the same things they said about you all along. I just hope that he doesn't look back on this and say, "Man, I wish I really had gone to him and told him exactly how I felt in person." And they had to put that jacket on me and had to reveal my bust and had to give me an applause because I'm yeah. there and, and I was going to get all the accolades I deserve. So to me, that's the only thing. What did he want to get out of it? If he just wanted to spend it with his family and close friends, fine. But if he really wanted to stick it to him, he missed the opportunity by not going. Exactly. And, you know, to your point, I think that Randy Moss is not, was not involved in the media doing work with ESPN and Fox Sports 1 before that, I think he would be doing a little bit of that myself. I, I, I personally <laughs> think that he – this is again, this is the same guy that said, quote, straight cash, homie, and I straight play cash. when I want to play. He's petty too now. He's just – I think he, due to the fact that he has a great video job with ESPN, he's doing a damn good job with ESPN. I, I, like, I think he's more cognizant and more self-aware. And that he won't really take it there. Maybe in private moments he probably would, but he probably won't take it there on stage as much because he has a high. He still high has a high profile position. He's still in the mainstream, the mainstream ways on TV, or doing some, or or is doing some NFL camps in North Carolina, uh, football camps, I should say, in North Carolina. But um, yeah, I'm just, I just wish, man, I, I just, I just wish that Tia would just show up and just come up the top broke. Stunning Steve Austin style, give both birds, just don't, don't, don't feel cares at the crowd, or not what out the crowd, but I told the right way, say F you on stage to dive in that nab, and other people who players didn't believe in him, maybe take a few shots at the members of the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying he missed that chance. And what better way to express that than be on stage on National Television audience and, and that would have been perfect moment to TL, but of course you're not gonna see it. So it is what it is. Hey man, I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot for, for doing this at the last minute and hopefully we're talking to baseball in the end of the season when it comes playoff time on the hunt for October. Absolutely. Alright, take care, buddy. Peace out. That's my guy Brian Van. Please check him out on Twitter at Brian S E R Y O N underscore B A W N. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. It's Scott Burke signing off. Have a good rest of the week. Old six. Peace.